Hello, everyone. Welcome to our new episode of CVS Pace, podcast about American foreign policy and uh, transatlantic security. And uh, we are your hosts, Dimitri and Vala. So today it's been a while since our last podcast. Yeah, today is the 7th of March. 7th of March, and we are going to discuss a lot of topics, including uh, like a situation in Syria. Probably the most heated topic right now. Exactly. Uh, immigration crisis in Europe. Not really crisis, but some like, developments. Well, I would call it a crisis. Yeah. Maybe let's discuss the commemoration of... Um, um, commemoration of... Uh, non Proliferation Treaty, and what else? Yeah, also the agreement with Taliban. So it's like a lot of topics. We have a lot of topics, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are going to take it slowly and just try to cover uh, as much as we can. Well, of course, we cannot omit the topic of the virus. And the virus, yeah. As much as we would like to, yeah. we cannot. I guess the virus topic cannot avoid us. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully it can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least like decision makers. Because they have to do a lot. So let's discuss for Syria. I yes, sir. The biggest topic, uh, a lot of developments. And so it's it's been like two weeks when they fight over like this province, Idlib. Mm-hmm. So mainly Syrian troops against Turkish troops. Well, first of all, I think it's important to summarize that up until yeah. two weeks, the fighting in Idlib was mostly between the Syrian government yeah. uh, and the pro-Turkish rebels. Yeah, and now the situation escalated after uh, yeah. an airstrike on Turkish forces, uh, killing yeah. more, over thirty uh, Turkish soldiers, and this made Turkey uh, to engage in the conflict more directly, not just yeah. by supporting the rebels, but sending in troops and airplanes, yeah. which resulted in numerous air fights, bombings, yeah. hundreds of deaths, and whole, yeah, say drone warfare like and drone warfare. And it's, it shows, um, to a certain extent, the advancements of Turkish uh, troops, you know, for example, and the weaknesses of Russian troops, because you obviously it's kind of like, you know, this hybrid warfare, you can use drones. Of course, you couldn't use, like, real jets, because, I mean, it's a different type of damage that you... I mean, Turkey also uses their F-16s in this fight. Yeah, but they Quite successfully. Also, also, also this. But, I mean, drones is, like, their main, uh, their main, like, tool of yes, waging a war there. this is true. Yeah. However, uh, well, this, their strikes are very effective, but you also have to uh, keep in mind right. that they uh, took some casualties. Yeah. I think they lost around 10% of their fleet already. Uh, but this is like collateral damage. It's like... Yeah, it's just a loss of equipment, not equipment, life. Equipment, not life. This is the main point, and they, that's why like, they're so useful. But uh, like, coming to the point of Idlib, I guess it's like a little bit simplification to say it's only like Turkish rebels there, I guess, like the bunch of, like, like almost everyone there. Like, yeah, so, that's true. Like that's the, anti-government forces, yeah. pro-Turkish rebels. And the uh, only place where you can go is just like Idlib. And that's that's why they have like there's so many like I mean Russia is official like Russian officials say that there are a lot of bunch of terrorists there terrorist organizations that are like prohibited and, and like banned in Russia and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean it's hard to assess because you need to really know this stuff I guess. Yeah, that's, that's what true. they're doing with the like, goals are. And instead of like just talking about this label, so the, this is a position. This is like those are terrorists. I don't. I don't actually know. I don't actually. Well, for me it's, hard. it's it's all a matter of perspective because yeah. you, you know the famous saying: one person yeah. is terrorist, and there's is another person yeah. fighter. So there is no definition of uh, official definition of terrorism in international like, agreements. So it's hard to actually define who are terrorists. 
Yeah, but I guess um, this uh, situation in Idlib and overall in Syria, why is it important? Well, I think uh, it's because uh, the wars, the civil war in Syria has been raging on for yeah. a couple of years now. It was it was seemingly coming to an end up until two weeks ago. Yeah. The pro-Assad forces were closing mm -hmm. in on the rebels, capturing the last yeah. uh, regions with resistance, and then... Well, and then, and then everything happened. hit the fan. So basically, uh, now the Turkish forces are crippling the yeah. uh, Syrian army, uh, which That's makes true. them unable to successfully fight the their their uh, what they define as terrorists. Yeah. So and what is interesting, the Turkish air force, for example, did not only strike targets uh, near the mm -hmm. front line; they also carried out strategic bombings of uh, weapons man manufacturers and um, airports deep inside Syria up until mm -hmm. like 600 kilometers into the country and which some experts say it basically cripples the potential of the Syrian army yeah. and well makes it very hard for them to finish the civil war yeah. including anti-missile anti defense systems yes yes, yes exactly. but that's also an interesting question because there is like some info warfare like a lot of stuff that they post and I mean, they say like pro Turkish outlets, something is like fake, something is true. It's so hard to just, I mean, there's, there's so much happened, you know, it's like the war that lasts like already nine years. Yes, so you have true. so much material and sometimes they just like, you know, bring some material like what like happened like three years ago and presented this like it's actually happened like uh, yesterday and like uh, the day before and something like this. Yes, because of the information warfare, it's hard to assess what yeah. is true and what is not. Exactly, especially when you're not on the ground. So for you, it's, it's, all, it's all the matter of like just like images, some bunch of like people writing not being there, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, you know, to believe in information. Well, we, we won't have a full image of the situation, I think. No. Uh, until we have to wait like 30 more years yeah before. when you have documents and exactly even this is like uh, we do, I don't know because you see like old Russian documents they're not they don't have this tradition you know to open sources to open documents to the public and it's all going to be classified until I guess, until forever probably probably know. it depends on the type of government in Russia yeah. in the future but yeah so they like broke the ceasefire um, like this week, I guess on Thursday, on, on Thursday, yeah, like Erdogan was in Moscow, so what do you think about this, kind of like, how, how you, what's your interpretation of this event? Well, uh, those meetings are, first of all, we should take note that it's only a bilateral, bilateral meeting between yeah. uh, Erdogan and Putin, so they do not care about the rest of the international scene at all, no. and <laughs> let's okay. take a look at the European Union, it's the conflict directly influences the EU, yeah. but the EU foreign policy is almost not existent here. They yeah. do not take part in negotiations about the no, <laughs> I mean this. Syrian crisis. The only thing they do is they respond to symptoms of it, what we see for right now on the uh, yeah. Greek border. But coming back to this meeting, I'm not sure if it's really worth discussing those ceasefires and everything, yeah. because nobody actually uh, sticks to them and they get yeah. broken all the time and new ones get renegotiated. So yeah. I don't think it's really binding what happens there. Of course, I mean they established some new like like zones of uh, de-escalation and stuff like this. And I guess, um, yeah, but you you could you could see this. This is like authoritarian politics, you know, like in, in, uh, which is very close, I guess, to nineteenth century politics, where you just like show you the map, let's draw some lines, and let's let let's let's try it. Let's let's keep it kind of like simple and. But it doesn't really work, you know. Yeah, the comparison to the 19th century is, I think, very, yeah. very on point. We have a, 
seemingly multipolar system with yeah. empires seeking uh, influence, not really uh, caring about yeah. the situation in some countries like Syria yeah. or wherever. They just care about influence and what but, they can gain of, from conflicts. Okay. Yeah, but I have like a very interesting question. But don't you think like European powers? I mean, Americans also like you know they don't say anything about this, situation. which is very weird for me. But I guess that's because they're so crippled in there. I mean, they couldn't do anything because, I mean, the, their position is, like, to be anti-Assad. And this would, like, con constrains them so much because they don't don't have real interests. What they have instead is just this position, oh, we are anti-Assad. And, okay, you are anti-Assad, but the Assad almost won the war. Mm -hmm. How about that? Like, you know, <laughs> what, what what's next? You're going to be... You're going to ignore the situation in the next 10 years? Like, just saying... Like the acid should step down and stuff like that. I mean, the situation we should they should also assess the real situation and try to reconfigure their like interests and say, okay, now we probably should step in. We should say, okay, acid is fine for us. Like for maybe like, but let's let's try to like you know to restore the government and to restore. Mm, I mean, to democracy. <laughs> I don't know something like this. But you see that they are crippled for me. I mean, I see it like this, and they. Can, they, they cannot do something. I mean, American position is like just to leave Syria ASAP as soon as possible. It's actually very, uh, they are in a very tough spot because on one hand they're yeah. anti-Assad and on the other hand, uh, Turkey is theoretically their ally. Yeah. But since the relations between Turkey and NATO and the US have, a, well, deteriorated yeah. a bit, um, I don't think the U.S. is too eager to to assist Turkey in this conflict. That's that's true. That's true. But then it comes to the question, like yes, of as you already mentioned, that this multipolar world is like no like diplomacy, multilateral diplomacy as it used to work. It doesn't simply work because there's so many conflicts, so many like uh, so many parties with different views with different beliefs, with different yeah, types totally of different government. agendas, exactly. Yeah. And you could not agree, you know. You can only have this, you know, uh, kind of like uh, situational agreements, like Turkey-Russia, or Turkey, like Russia-Iran, all this, like, so, like, um, Sochi format, no, Sochi format, uh, I guess, what's it called? Yeah, and it doesn't really matter, but all this, like, trilateral uh, dialogue between Russia, uh, Iran, and Turkey, because, like, Iran also has, like, a lot of interest in Syria. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and troops and stuff like that. Well, Iran is currently busy with a totally different uh, crisis, which, which is the virus. Yeah let's, yeah, let's let's switch to this topic. And this is, like, the big international topic. Mm -hmm, it is. Because people made fun of, like, maybe coronavirus two months ago when it all started. Well, people still make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's our human nature. Uh, but I guess, um, like, there was, like, ignorance on the, like, national levels. And mm -hmm. now it's, it, like, people... Uh, uh, so the, you see, like this tendency that they're actually frightened that it's gonna, it's gonna like uh, turn into like real pandemic. You know, like well, you can already call it a pandemic yeah, because it's everywhere definitely. in the world. Um, so what's um, interesting about the virus is that the World Health Organization already for like one month, yeah, they were warning warning that this this thing will be spreading serious. and it's serious yeah. uh, and. Yeah, as you said, not many people took it seriously. People took yeah. it for you know for hysteria or being paranoid or, mm -hmm. um, or such things. But now we have it basically everywhere in the world. Yeah, every continent, 
everywhere yeah I mean, and the thing is what i'm asking myself is like why italy you know why so many cases like specifically in italy well because... you know the black death also started in italy <laughs> yeah but it's not explanation. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's some uh i guess maybe because there's so many tourists but uh, then you see of course there's so many tourists in paris and in france you don't have anything similar to this in terms well of there were reports in uh, italy that some hospital in italy who actually accepted patients with yeah. the virus they didn't follow the correct procedures and standards which led to people who were not healthy being you know dismissed from the hospital oh, yeah. and spreading it so uh, there were accusations accusations uh, towards the failure of the medical system yeah which caused the outbreak of the of the uh, there. I mean, they're very like easygoing people, I would say. Just Italians yeah. in general, they don't care a lot about stuff, maybe. <laughs> <That's why. laughs> but I mean, a lot of countries don't care about stuff um, either. So I don't know. But like the thing happened, yeah, I guess like the first, like all this, I guess it's like, like two months ago, like the first, uh, it was a big topic about Italy that it really, like, it, it hit them hard, you know. It so did, yes. Because there's so many, like 700 cases, I guess. I, I didn't check. Like specific numbers in Italy, but I guess like one week ago it was 700 cases. It's in, th it's in thousands right now. Yeah, so you see, there's really big numbers for a country like very far away from far away from China. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you when you talk about Iran, for example, it's obvious. It's like very close, and well, you have trading yeah. routes. Well, it's not that close, but, but you have trading close. routes in the same True. region. Yeah, but here you have. Yeah, some well, and Iran is a uh, very. I think it's safe to say that Iran is the country that yeah. was hit the most. Yeah, even though the official statistics are quite optimistic, many people and journalists and yeah. correspondents who are there say that the numbers uh, provided by the government are so fake that they're yeah. nowhere near to reality. So, I think the official numbers in Iran are somewhere. Uh, among like 500 people infected or maybe more, maybe more. Maybe, I, I, I don't know the, the exact numbers, but much, yeah. they have a bunch of parliament members who are sick. Yeah. They have country officials dying because yeah. of the virus. Yes, it's, it's, so it's imagine, right. imagine you're a big country like Iran and let's say you have only 1,000 people yeah. sick and then by a miraculous coincidence, your government officials start dying. So it says that your government officials are well, less protected than common yeah. citizens, that most of the people dying are government officials. Maybe Those numbers <clears> that, <throat> they provide, that they provide are super fake, <clears throat> and the journalists who are there, they say that the situation is totally out of control, yeah. the medical system is paralyzed, they cannot do everything, yeah. nobody controls the movement of people who are sick, people who are dying. Oh yeah, this is like reality in Iran. I guess so I guess be... this is why they're not too engaged in the conflict in Syria, yeah. because they have a huge domestic problem Very, right very now. big problem, man. It would be nice, you know, biological weapons, <laughs> but it's a... It's a well, it's it's a wrong to, it's I wouldn't a wrong say time. it's a nice biological <laughs> weapon. I, I would compare it to, you know, gas warfare in World War One. It's, no, I mean, it's effective against your enemy, but then the wind blows and hits you as well. No, I mean, it hit China, first of all, it hit China. And I guess China, I mean, you can, you can see the main thing, it's economy. What's going on, like, with the... I mean, why it matters for the world, and we already spoke about it in mm -hmm. the first, like, uh, podcast dedicated to coronavirus, it's economy. You have, like, the lowest oil prices. It also because like uh, they didn't strike this agreement with OPEC. I mean, Russia, like this OPEC, 
OPEC, like do they say OPEC? OPEC, I guess. I don't yeah, OPEC, yeah. OPEC plus, um, so it's like a format include OPEC plus Russia. And they had a meeting in Vienna, I guess, yesterday, like this week. They tried to reach some deal to co to co to uh, like, uh, decrease the production of oil, mm -hmm. but they didn't reach it. And that's why you see like the drop in prices. I guess it's almost 40 like bucks per bar like, uh, barrel, like 40 something. Yeah, 40, that's super cheap. Super cheap. And uh, interestingly, why Russia? I mean, in Russia, I feel like the Russian position, uh, official position, is uh, that they won't last uh, uh, longer. So they don't mm -hmm. like want to like be binded by some kind of agreement, and they want to produce as much oil as they can. But you see, the situation is. I mean, it, in, and interestingly, it hurts first of all like Russia because Russia is dependent on oil prices. Yes, and the, the whole exports, economy. Yeah. And now it uh, affects like Russian uh, currency and stuff like that. So it's yeah, the, you can see how economy reacts to it. Yeah, very well. We have uh, in America, yeah, like just plane tickets. Uh, the prices are dropping us yeah. super fast. And on the other hand, people are uh, stocking up for you know um, quarantines yeah. and and stuff. They're buying toilet paper. Yeah. I was in my shop two days ago and yeah, there was no toilet paper in the shop and we're in Germany which is wasn't hit too hard yet but this is hysteria I don't think it's it's yes you should be so paranoid with this it's it's this is like the effect of media I would say you know it's everywhere this is true this is true uh, I think people should maybe listen more yeah. to government uh, government announcements more than media who yeah well basically media wants all they want to gain is uh, to, to gain audience and the best way to do it yeah, is to you know to, yeah to to put uh, controversial or hidden yeah. topics on their agendas but it's also like for example in Russia what I observe they use this topic for their own gains you know like constitutional changes reforms going on in Russia and it's easier to distract people from you know following constitutional uh, arrangements constitutional changes yeah uh, with this topic just saying oh this is like really serious. And we should, I don't know, like they, like in Moscow, for example, they discussed to impose a curfew, which is like, what? I mean, come on, this is... This wow, is... we're back to communist times. Yeah, and officially it's like six cases or like nine cases, officially, officially. Um, officially, officially confirmed yeah. in, in Moscow, and this is not, not enough, I guess, I mean, to impose a curfew. And I mean, in my personal opinion, it should be up to you, you know, if you want to, if you want to die your old dude, I mean, go for it, like go, go to the, like China, I mean, it's... But this is, yeah, and you see the drop in stock exchange numbers yeah, in it's, America. It's, like last as low, it's as low as the 2008. So. Yeah, international, basically economic crisis. Uh, and it's, I mean, because of China, because everything is... Uh, the oil production, I guess, uh, in China, it stops and then it affects everyone yeah, in the world. Yeah, nobody wants to travel there for business trips. Nobody, yeah. the exports go down. Yeah, so... I mean, let's see how it goes. It's like very big topic. It's definitely gonna be gonna hit headlines for I guess at least like next month. And I mean, we have Olympics uh, uh, very soon, and they haven't decided yet whether they're gonna conduct Olympics. Mm -hmm. I mean, they say something like, "We don't know how the situation is going. Let's see." For example, they uh, suspend a lot of events, uh, it's like sported events. And in Russia, for example, they just, um, I mean, they basically canceled, like, the biggest uh, economic forum. Yeah. Like, you see, like, yeah, the, the panic is real. We will see if they cancel the big parade. 
Yeah, let's see. I don't know, because Victory Parade is so much... Uh, it's a big propaganda event. So. Yeah, and you need this. Like, how can you do... And then people, like, prepare... I guess people have been preparing for, like, a year almost for this, you know. Yeah, for them, it's a big like, anniversary. It's the biggest event in their life. Yeah, just, it's, it's true. But as you said, we'll probably be hearing about this for at least a month. Uh, yeah. The WHO uh, actually said that uh, many people think... They announced that, well, many people think that the virus is going to go away, just like the yeah. flu virus that starts Maybe. every every year uh, in autumn and lasts until spring. But they said that in terms of the uh, this coronavirus, it won't work like this. Yeah. They said that it's way too optimistic to think that it will just go away in summer yeah. because this virus is, uh, as it uh, apparently seems, more resistant to yeah. uh, heat changes, etc. So... Some scientists say that we may have to fight with it for quite a long time still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, that's it. I, I don't know what to add. To, well, I guess to... we can we can just uh, calm everybody down. Yeah. Do not panic because it only... It only uh... I mean, it's also up to up to people, you know. It's up to you, like, how what you make personally of it. Because some people yeah, are really... You, you can have very bad immune system, for example. And, like, for you, it's really important to... Yeah, so for, for the young people, you're pretty much safe. Yeah, but... There are also... Which is also interesting. Many people uh, who catch the virus, yeah. they go over it without ever knowing they had the virus. Yeah. Because some people go really lightly for it. They might have just some running nose or cough for one yeah. or two, three days. But then it goes away, their organism just takes care of it. But they so still carry the virus. They still carry it. Yeah, so this is like you're, you may be just uh, sick a little mm. bit, but you can pass it on to someone yeah. who is, like, who is, for example, older or yeah. maybe sick for something else, and this, this is, could be lethal to them. Yeah, so I guess we can just uh, tell you, wash your hands regularly. Yeah, um, follow some basic... Basic hygiene standards, yeah. and you should be fine. Yeah, so let's switch to another topic. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know. Like, let's. I guess let's discuss this anniversary of uh, non-proliferation treaty. It marks fifty years. A big event, a big achievement of multilateral diplomacy. Because mm-hmm. I mean, and when you talk about maybe the UN, this is like the biggest achievement because it's, it's it it started in the um, committee disarmament committee, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and this is big event. There's like and today there are a lot of talks about nuclear stuff, especially because you see the deterioration of um, uh, like this non-proliferation regimes, especially when it comes to agreements between Russia and the mm-hmm. U.S. and yes. stuff like that. I mean, but let's let's assess like a, like very quick. Uh, so, do you think it's like a valuable um, instrument, valuable agreement? Well, when we look at the current U.S.-Russian relations, I would say that. Well, maybe it's already a bit dead. Yeah, uh, but I guess it's um, not proliferation. It's mainly about that countries. Uh, you know, not, we don't have like let's say hundred countries with nukes. Yeah, uh, that is true. This, this, but I would say it doesn't stop the expansion of nuclear arsenals. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Overall, you got. Um, like, I think it doesn't really matter if many countries have nuclear yeah. weapons or just a few of them have have them because if. It, uh, it's enough to have two countries that have them that already mm-hmm. can cause a global catastrophe. 
Um, but this is like very interesting topic because like this is such a hegemonic discourse. You know, we just say like to, to countries like who are you to say like other countries not to have nuclear weapons if you yeah. really want it. Yeah, <laughs> like, take a look at yeah, North yeah. Korea or Iran. <laughs> and for like, North Korea, it's safe yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they're they are they will probably be already destroyed destroyed like, by. Like Iraq. Uh, yeah. Exactly, like by Iraq or, or whoever, and that's what Iran is doing right now. They like, to, Iraq, like Iraq, like yeah. Iraq, yeah. yeah. They got destroyed by American troops. I think that's all, that's what Iran is doing right now. They want to have nuclear weapons so yeah. that they do not end up like Iraq at one point. Yeah, it's very interesting discussion, just in general, how you because I guess it's such a thing, you know. People tend to not the people uh, tend not to think about nuclear stuff because they think, oh, it's you know, so. Difficult. It's like you need to be a specialist. You need to be a nuclear engineer, nuclear scientist. But in fact, it affects everyone. Everyone exactly. And, I mean, a nuclear war gonna affect everyone. So it's even like, if you live in the Antarctic, you yeah. will still be influenced. And I guess like people really understood this. For example, in eighties, where we had a lot of um, um, anti-nuclear movement, and uh, you know, uh, and this is important to bring this now into some into discourse. You know, to discuss it. Uh, I don't think it's the, actually like, the the threat of the threat of nuclear war and just nuclear proliferation and stuff like this is actually um, I mean for me it bears like the same value as like climate change and something something like that. It's really important. Yeah, it is to discuss. And actually, uh, the risk of uh, nuclear war, some people say, is bigger yeah. today than yeah, uh, during safe. the Cold War times. And why? Well, because of the precision of the weaponry that we have today. Yeah. So back in the 60s, if you wanted to eliminate an enemy using a nuclear nuclear bomb, and yeah. let's say you're in the US and you want to bomb Moscow, you have some targets in Moscow, well, you would use a huge nuclear bomb because yeah. it wouldn't be guided very well. So you need to have a big blast radius. Yeah. And notice we have a we have very good precision weaponry. Precision weapon. And the warheads used on those weapons are way smaller. Yeah. So theoretically, you can hit hit a target, destroy it completely, yeah. and do not cause widespread destruction. So this might might encourage some people to use those yeah. tactical uh, nuclear weapons because it's well, it's effective, yeah. and it doesn't endanger uh, mutual destruction. Uh, yeah. At the moment that you use this, no, it, uh, I I totally agree with you. And on top of that, you have very advanced. I mean, in terms of the US, they try to advance their this uh, anti-missile, anti-ballistic missile system. Aegis. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Honestly. Yeah, Aegis. Aegis yeah. system, uh, which is supposed to be the most advanced, but no one knows. Um, how successfully it works, you know, it, you, you should, like, I guess they're going to have some kind of, like, test in, in, in summer, this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's see. But, it's, I mean, it's it's technically super hard to hit, like, one missile with another missile. And it should happen, you know, it's, it's if it works, it's incredible from technical perspective. But what it, it destroys this idea of, um, you know, check... Uh, mutual check on each other because when you have like such a great capabilities and you can defend like your ad like adversary capabilities and get way it gets like really complicated in terms of security yeah. and you just think about this as some like real threat and a real problem what I think is also often omitted is that people mostly uh, focus on nuclear missiles and yeah. uh, ICBMs but uh, we have to keep in mind that modern warheads can they're so small you can fit them in a suitcase? Yeah. So theoretically, this could be just smuggled by some special forces of one country yeah. into uh, enemy country and detonated, and you wouldn't even be able to uh, track who, yeah. who did this. 
Uh, the problem of terrorism uh, in connection to like nuclear weapons is actually very high. It's still very high. I mean, I mean now, I mean you see the decline of terrorism, but it, it was the very big issue in in, in zeros, you know. Yeah, that's true. People on, were afraid that on American behalf, they really thought about this, especially after you know um, the Soviet Union collapsed and mm-hmm. you had such like fast, great arsenal all across like Eastern Europe, and some people like probably got some warheads. You never know, you know, you never know. Well, actually, the U.S. also lost some warheads in the history that are yeah. unaccounted for um, up to this day. So, so it's yeah, it's really interesting topic to discuss. Uh, I just, yeah, maybe like I just focus this attention um, so that Trump appointed um, appointed a special envoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess his name is, what's his name? Let me check. Uh, Marshall. Billingsley, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Pronunciation. Yeah, so this guy, supposed, like, not supposedly he was involved in torture program in um, Guantanamo during uh, era. Yeah, the offshore side. During, yeah, the Bush uh, era. Um, and, you know, people say, according to him, like, he used to have some connection to proliferation issues in Congress, I guess. He helped some congressmen. Uh, with this agenda, and he was like totally anti <coughs> uh, anti any treaty uh, on nuclear issues, mm-hmm. and so now he should have like, like I mean Trump had an announcement um, like commemorating anniversary of the nuclear non-proliferation treaty. He said like we want to achieve nuclear deal with Russia, China, uh, like so trilateral nuclear deal, which for a lot of experts they say it's not possible because then China has like three hundred nukes. Like very small arsenal, and it doesn't. I mean, it it modernizes its arsenal, but it's very small in, in comparison to three thousand nukes. Well, so three hundred is still sufficient. It's. A, I mean, this is this is the thing, you know. For for me, I guess three hundred, and there are a lot of like interesting uh, documents um, by you know just analysts that try to, for example, convey like America to have the same kind of arsenal in Russia as well, because that's how that's how many nukes you need to destroy the world. Why yeah, do you need yeah, more? you don't need more. In, even imagine you have three hundred nukes yeah. and you want to, let's say, you're China, you want to eliminate Russia for some yeah. reason. Even if they shoot down fifty percent of your missiles, you still hit them with one hundred fifty. It's yeah, basically destructive. And interestingly, interesting thing about China. So China doesn't really. I mean, it's not really interested in this kind of deal. What is more interesting for me that the, all the uh, they say constantly they say this narrative. In their documents, uh, we don't really don't really focus on nukes. You know, if you yeah, they like prefer Russia, conventional warfare. Yeah, and what they say, like our goal is to win conventional warfare. And well, because they have a huge advantage in this. Yeah, and have way more people, and so it's yeah, a big dictatorship power, country. Exactly. And then they have like uh, advancements in AI and uh, in drone capabilities as well. So, will you think that this new deal will be struck only between Russia and the US? If if it no. was to be struck, I mean, yeah. The, the question is that like this uh, last agreement that they have is like this new start agreement, which uh, which was um, uh, struck by uh, by Obama and Medvedev back in 2010. It was a big agreement, uh, like a lot of reduction efforts. They established this. They, they should have like 1,500 1, nukes uh, on high alert, so, and like this is a cap. Um, how do you? And it's it's a good agreement, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, every agreement that limits you know nuclear weapons is good because I mean, it decreases the probability of war, probably. 
Uh, you can argue with this, but still. Yeah, you can argue about it. I guess it's still important to have less nukes than more nukes. Right? Well, it's some people like, say if you have more nukes, then there's a nah, smaller chance of war because yeah. of deterrence. There's like uh, this very, f I mean, I don't, I don't like this expert, the American expert. He's like very f famous uh, among uh, security circles. That basically argues that the US should have a superiority in its nuking capabilities. I guess the assured mutual destruction idea is still alive. Yeah, it's still alive. But what he, what he says, uh, like the US should have way more nuclear, way, way more nukes, and then if you have some kind of conflict, you could have uh, some kind of conflict, you would have like some kind of, um, like, yeah, let me put it like in, uh, like this. So for example, you have like a crisis similar to Caribbean crisis, and what he argues, it's uh, the, there was no war, not because like the leaders were smart to say we don't need the war, just because the U.S. had way more, we had advantage in nuking capabilities, uh -huh. and that's what his like his argument uh, that he uses this uh, all like uh, uh, very often uh, this this example. Interesting. So yeah, I mean you can argue like this, but uh, what f for my own I guess knowledge. The U.S. didn't really know how many nukes uh, like Russia, like Soviet Union had, and like Nikita Khrushchev, like the leader of uh, Soviet Union, uh, he used this and, to, and, said, and said some false numbers every time that he, they had more nukes, and they created this, uh, um, so basically, uh, like nukes, but without new, like without nuclear warheads. Yeah. yeah. Not warheads, just like no, they, just conventional warheads. I guess. Yeah, presented them as uh, nukes because I mean they need to do something. Yeah. Well, deception is also warfare. Yeah, I mean it's especially good Russian tactics. You know, deception. Oh yeah, they're yeah. very good at deception. Yeah. Yeah, this is a topic. I guess it's. I guess I encourage everyone to think about this because uh, we are like in the age of this new. I would say new period. Uh, we don't have this. We don't have any kind of agreement, probably, uh, if they don't extend New START. Yeah. So we won't have any kind of agreement. And we are in a very unstable political times. So. Yeah, you have so all kinds well, of... So, like, take that, Fukushima, you were, you were wrong. Yeah, I mean, you have all this kind of new nukes, glider vehicles, I don't know, like 10 times speed of, um, uh, speed of sound and stuff like that. And, and um, we have conflicts that encourage, of conflicts, yeah. encourage of conflicts. weapons to be used. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's important to bear in mind this topic, and yeah, I guess uh, do we have anything else to cover? I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, yeah I guess so. So thanks for listening to us as usual, and subscribe to our, to our uh, Twitter probably if you want. Yeah, you can contact us over there. Contact us over there. Ask some questions. Straight us. Uh, on any on uh, every platform you're listening to us and um, yeah stay tuned have a nice weekend uh, goodbye